You're listening to Trinity Fremont's Sermon Podcast, where you can hear God's Word preached each and every week. Our purpose at Trinity is to raise up Christ's followers in our families and in our communities. We pray that as you listen to this week's sermon, you'll be encouraged and equipped to live out your faith in all that you do. You know, for me, YouTube has been a, one of the greatest creations for DIYers like me. I, I love the do-it-yourself stuff. I, I love to be able to figure out how something works, to put it together, to, to build it, whatever it is, to fix it. Um, I, I love being able to go and say, how do I do this? How do I build a table? And then have the step-by-step instructions that I can just follow along. Or this week I got to search how to replace a starter in a Ford Flex because Early on Thursday morning, I went, I started my car, it was, it was working, and I realized I hadn't gotten my water for a workout, so I turned it back off, ran inside, grabbed my water, came back, went to turn it, nothing. It didn't click, it didn't make any noise, nothing. So at 5.30 in the morning, I am YouTubing how to change a starter. And then I took the van to work out, and one of the guys said, was it in gear? Yes, it was got to put it in park, and then you can start it, no problem. So that was a really easy step-by-step instruction, put it in park. But uh, I love those step-by-step instructions, and I need them, but they can help me do things that I couldn't do without those instructions. Well, as we get to our text from Colossians chapter 2, we read, therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him. Walk in Jesus Last week, as, as Vicar Rathy was preaching, he, he asked us a question as he was talking about the story of Mary and Martha, and he asked, are you doing for Jesus, or are you receiving from Jesus? And as he talked, he, he really encouraged us to take time to receive from Jesus, to sit at his feet and, and have him speak to us and have him encourage us and have him give life to us. And at the very end of that sermon, he gave us a teaser of this week and next week uh, where, where he said that your doing flows out of your receiving. And so again, we get to our text today from Colossians 2 that says, therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. Which I'm thinking, great, now I'm going to get those step-by-step instructions. Now I'm going to find out, do these things, don't do these things. Right? I, I'm going to be able to read, here are the steps you need to take to, to be a good person. Here are the steps you need to take to, to live a moral, godly life. But let's see what Paul actually says in Colossians 2. He says, again, therefore as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, just as you are taught, abounding in thanksgiving. We don't get a bunch of steps. We don't get a bunch of do this, don't do this. We don't, we don't get a this is what it looks like to be a, a good, moral, godly person. Instead, we see that after receiving Jesus, it's grow time. Right? It's time to grow. What I love about this text is we get the after receiving Jesus uh, to just nerd out in Greek a little bit. Not, not for very long. That after receiving Jesus, that's the, an aorist in the Greek language, which means it's a past thing that happened one time in the past. It happened and it was done, after receiving Jesus. So that's something that has happened in the past, right? Paul is writing to the church in Colossae, 
Colossae, however you want to pronounce that, the, to the, peop, the Colossian people, that church in that city. He's writing to us today, after you have received Jesus, after that one-time thing happened, now walk in Him. And that walk in Him is a present tense, which means it's not something that you do right now, it's something that you are always supposed to be doing. So continue to walk in Him, continually walk in Him. And so we're called to grow continually. And so up on the screen, I put 10 different things, 10 different opportunities that Trinity offers to grow in your faith. And this is not an exhaustive list of every opportunity that there is to grow, uh, but it, it will cover every one of us, right? Because it, it, it fits any age group, uh, starting with toddling to Jesus. That's a new program that we're starting uh, August 21st for parents with kids ages zero to three to, to just be with Jesus, to learn what it's like to talk to their kids about Jesus, to, to, for parents to gather together and just talk about life in general with a two-week-old. What does that look like? Well, that's what that's what that group will be for. That'll meet in the in the nursery at 9.15 on Sunday mornings starting August 21st. So zero to three-year-olds, and then Sunday school, right? That's something that is not currently happening right now. We're going to restart that in September. Uh, Trinity, the, the K-8 to school, uh, where we get to grow in Jesus every single day, uh, that's School starts August 17th. Confirmation, I've been doing some summer confirmation stuff, but, but the majority of confirmation, again, will start in September. Uh, youth groups have been going throughout the summer. They will continue to go throughout the summer and the school year. Bible study, we've had some starting, uh, or some continuing throughout the summer. We've got some starting up in August, and we've got some new Bible studies coming up uh, in September. One of those is a foundations class where you can ask any question that you want, what do we believe about this? Or how does this affect the way that we live out our faith? That's something I'm going to be teaching starting in September. Uh, we're going to talk about some of the questions that we'll be looking at more in depth in that class. But then life groups. I know there are life groups started, uh, we, we started a number of those with the, the being challenge last year. A number of those kept going. A number of them have even continued throughout the summer. But we're going to be uh, picking those back up or starting new life groups, again, starting in the fall. Uh, a lot of those are, are Trinity-focused or Trinity-based, right? You come here, gather with a group of people from here, but then there's also opportunities to do that, to, to grow in faith on your own, or as a family, or as a couple, right? The, the portals of prayer, or, or the daily dose, two different ways that you can grow in faith in your home by diving in to God's Word. And you can, there are other ways. Maybe you get an email with a, a, a devotion every day or whatever that, that is. But, but taking advantage of these opportunities or other opportunities to grow in faith helps you look like this tree, right? This tree that uh, there's multiple trees, but notice how the roots are all coming out and diving right into the water, right? Because that's where it's getting its nutrients, right? There are a lot of well-established trees on Trinity's property. What would happen if those trees went a week without water. Well, we've, we've seen that, right? We got some water this week, woohoo! Uh, but, but what happens if those trees go a month without water? They might start to notice, right? But what happens if they would go a year or two years without any water? What happens? Not a rhetorical question, you can answer it. What happens? They die, right? And so even well-established trees with well-established roots that stop gaining nutrients that stop growing, die. 
Therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so continually walk in Him, rooted and built up in Him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. But why should you grow, right? I, again, you, you've, maybe, you've, maybe you've grown for a long time and you're like, I'm done growing. I don't need, well, why should I continue to grow? That's for those younger people. Or maybe that's, that's for the older people who have time to sit and read their Bible. Why, why should I, why should you grow? Well, it's almost like Paul knew that you were going to ask that question. So he continues writing in verse 8 and says, See to it that no one takes, uh, takes you captive by philosophy or empty deceit according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of this world, and not according to Christ. So, so pay attention See to it that you're not held captive by the ways of this world rather than following Jesus. So why does that matter? Well, there's a lot of bad theology around us. There's a lot of bad theology in, in the church and in the world around us. You know, last month, about a month ago, I went to Kearney uh, for the, the district uh, Nebraska District Convention, where we spent some time talking about uh, the future of the church. We voted in people for certain offices, but we also talked about different uh, events and how the church was planning to move forward or planning to grow or planning to respond. Well, that's not just a Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod thing. All the churches have something like that. And a couple weeks ago, uh, the Episcopal Church had their, their convention where they got together and voted on the future, uh, on what they think the, how the church should respond to the future. And one of the things that they, the, they responded to was the, the Roe versus Wade uh, overturning in the government. And their response was to condemn crisis pregnancy centers and to, uh, to repent of any previous support of crisis pregnancy centers because crisis pregnancy centers trick women into having babies. That's bad theology, right? That is philosophy and empty deceit according to human tradition that pulls people away from Jesus. Okay, so that's, that's easy, right? We, we got that. But what about, what about when November rolls around and it's time to vote and, and we start to get nervous because if a vote goes this way or that way, then the church will be in trouble. Right? What happens in our minds when we start to talk about the government? Has there ever been a time where the government has replaced God in your mind? In your mind where it's more important that a vote goes the right way or that a person leads in the right way than what I do as a member of the body of Christ or what Jesus is doing here? You might not say yes, but some of our conversations sometimes lead that way. Like, if it doesn't go this way, then the church is in trouble. But Jesus is in charge of his church, and Jesus is in charge of the government. And yes, we will be praying later today for good government. We don't just want bad government. We want good government. But, but when the church or when the government replaces God, we get our priorities out of order, and we start to, to focus on human tradition rather than Jesus. Or a couple of years ago, uh, I preached a sermon series called I Am. 
uh, where, where we focused on the I am statements of Jesus. And we were reminded that Jesus, he said, I am. And if you look at this cross up in the stained glass, there are a couple different pictures that remind us of that. Like on the bottom right-hand corner, uh, the wheat, Jesus it, it reminds us, he says, I am the bread of life. He says, I am the true vine. I am the living water. I am the way and the truth and the life. And I saw a book one day called The Power of I Am by Joel Osteen. And I was really excited to read about all of those I Am statements of Jesus. But they weren't in there because he was writing about the I Am statements that I say, right? The I Ams that are coming out of my mouth will either bring me success or failure. And those I am statements were, I am strong, I'm healthy, I'm wealthy. But there's a problem with that. I, Robert, thanks for helping me with this, but I'm not always strong. What about when I'm weak? What about when I'm sick? What if you're poor? Does it mean you don't have enough faith? Does it mean that you didn't speak those words into existence and so they didn't happen? No, what we're getting with those I am, I am strong, I am healthy, I am wealthy, that's called the theology of glory, that if I do the right things, if I say the right things, if I think the right things, then God will bless me, and blessings will come upon my life, and I will be strong and healthy and wealthy. But it's not about what I say, it's about what Jesus says about me, about what Jesus says about you when he looks at you and he says, you are my child. And so then I can say, I am a child of God, but it's not, not because I have said it into existence, but it's because Jesus has spoken it about me and about you. What you believe matters, right? And so we need to grow, we need to be rooted and built up in the faith so that we're not taken captive, we're not held prisoner. We're not, we're not slaves to philosophy and empty deceit but, uh, that's according to human tradition, but rather focused on Jesus. So how would you answer some of these questions? And again, these are some of the questions that uh, when we get to uh, the, the foundations class, these are some of the questions that I'm going to dive into uh, more specifically. But, but what's happening in baptism? What's happening in communion? Or what's, what's the ultimate goal of your faith? Well, let's look at each of those. What's happening in baptism? Last night, little Jared was brought to, to the waters of baptism. He's not quite yet one year old, and, and he was brought to the waters of baptism. Now, if you talk to others, uh, maybe you've heard, well, baptism is just an outward expression of an inward faith. It is me publicly proclaiming that I am a follower of Jesus. But if that's all that baptism is, we should have never brought Jared to the waters of baptism because he can't speak that faith. He, he can't proclaim his faith. So if that's all the baptism is, we, we shouldn't do most of the baptisms we do. We should wait and do them later. But, but Peter in 1 Peter 3, he says baptism, which corresponds to, he's talking earlier about the flood, uh, the washing uh, of, of renewal, but baptism now saves you, not as a removal of dirt, but as appeal to God for, for good conscience, which really means through, for faith, through the resurrection of Jesus Baptism does something. Baptism is the, the fancy theological word is efficacious. 
It works. It, it brings faith. And so when we brought Jared to the waters of baptism, he walked here. He didn't walk. He was carried up here as an enemy of God. And he was carried away a child of God because baptism works. In our text in Colossians, it talks about being buried with Christ in baptism so that we might be raised to new life. Baptism works. Well, what about in communion? What's happening in communion? When I come to receive the, the, the bread and the wine, am I just getting a, a piece of bread uh, and a, a little cup of wine or grape juice so that when I go back to my seat, I think about all the stuff that Jesus did for me, and so all that's happening is it's the time to remember what Jesus did? It's a remembrance? Because if that's all that it is, we shouldn't do it nearly as often as we do. Because the more often you do things like that, the more often that you do these remembrances, these memorials, uh, these traditions, the more often that we do that, the, the more that they lose their luster. But is that all that it is? Well, what does Jesus say happens in communion? He takes the bread and he says, take and eat. This is my body. He, he takes the cup and he blesses it and he says, drink of it, all of you, this cup uh, for this is my blood of the covenant which is poured out for many. For what? For the forgiveness of sins. This works. When you come up to receive the body and blood of Jesus, you, you are forgiven of your sins. And so we should want to do this as often as we possibly can. That's why uh, when I preach on weekends that there's communion, I'm taking communion three times a week. I, I'm taking it Saturday night and I'm sinning, not because I want to, but because I'm a poor, miserable sinner, I'm going to sin between Saturday night and 8 o'clock Sunday morning. So I'm going to take communion again at 8 o'clock, and then I know I'm going to sin between 8 and 10.30, and so I'm taking communion again at 10.30 because I need that forgiveness as often as I can possibly get it. And then what's, what's the ultimate goal of my faith? What's the ultimate goal of your faith? I often hear that the ultimate goal is is to die and go to heaven. Here's the problem with that. If the ultimate goal of my faith is to die and to go to heaven, then, then what's, when I become a Christian, like when I bring someone, or when, when you become a Christian, if I bring you to the waters of baptism, the, the next best thing for you to do is die. Because you've, you've gotten your faith, now I should die and go to heaven. But that, so that can't be the ultimate goal of our faith. So what does Jesus say is the ultimate goal, the ultimate purpose of your faith? Well, Jesus, as he's getting ready to ascend into heaven, he, he, he reminds the disciples that he has all of the authority in heaven and earth. It's been given to Jesus, and he gives it to us. And he says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations by baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And he leaves us with that promise that says, surely, behold, I am with you always to the very end of the age. Your ultimate purpose in life, the ultimate goal of your faith is to make disciples, to, to raise up Christ followers in your families and in your communities, right? That's our purpose here at Trinity, and that's really all of our purposes in, in all of our lives is to raise up Christ followers in our families and in our communities, and like I said earlier, there are a number of ways that Trinity works to grow you in your faith. But, so I want you to take a look at these. Again, it's the same 10. And I want you to pull out something that you can write with, whether it's a piece of paper, whether it's the notes app on your phone, whatever it is. I want you to take a look at all 10 of those and pick one. And say, this 
year, I'm going to use this opportunity to grow in faith. What is it? Right? 30 seconds. Pull out a pen, pull out your phone, and don't just stare at me. Um, write it down. This year, I'm going to use the, and it, it could be something different. It doesn't have to be one of these things up here, but pick one. This year, I'm going to grow in my faith in this way. 30 seconds. You can tell somebody too. Therefore, if you, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him, rooted and built up in Him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. Right? Through baptism and through God's Word, you have received Jesus. And now it's time, today it's time, tomorrow it's time, next week it's time, every day it is time to grow to grow your roots so that you might be able to withstand the the, the empty deceit, the human traditions of this world. Not because you have declared over and over that I am strong, but because Jesus has declared to you that you are a child of God. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for what you have spoken over us, that you have said that, you are, that we are your children because what you have done for us on the cross and in the tomb and now in the empty tomb, that you are risen. And so as we are buried with you, as we receive you, then we rise up to new life. We are made new. And help us to grow. Help us to be planted beside the waters of of life as you are the living water. God, as we do that, we know that there are times that we have fell prey to the empty deceits of this world, to the human traditions of this world. And so today, as we come before you, we we take a moment to, to confess our sins to you in the quietness of our hearts. may you know that the Almighty God in His mercy, that He has given His Son, Jesus Christ, to die for you. And He has forgiven you all of your sins. Right? As you you are reminded of your baptism, you are buried with Him and then raised again to new life. It's my joy It's my honor, my privilege as a a called and ordained servant of Christ to announce God's grace to all of you that your sins are forgiven in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. You have been made new. After receiving Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him being rooted and built up in the faith. So draw those roots down as you receive 
his good news today and every day. As we continue our worship, we know we have a God who hears us, wants to hear from us because he's a relational, personal God. And so we're able to come to him today and every day, bringing him our cares and needs. So let us pray for the whole church of God in Christ Jesus and for all people according to their needs. Lord God, today we come before you praying for the gift of the Holy Spirit that enlightened by the word of Christ, our homes may not be places of deceit or confusion, but dwellings of truth. And that husbands and wives and parents and children, young and old and all who live alone would be built up into him, into you, the head of the body. And Lord God, we pray for trusting hearts that would turn to you, our Heavenly Father, in all joy and sorrow, finding in your fatherly goodness and will all that we ask and seek and need or desire. And God, we pray for faithful pastors to speak your word of warning and comfort to us, that trusting in the intercession of Christ, that we may be drawn in repentance to his cross, seeking shelter in his mercy, and in him escape destruction. God, also we pray for civil leaders who serve in accordance with your righteous judgment, condemning what is evil and approving what is good. And we pray that all nations may be brought to see the wisdom and glory of Jesus and to dwell together in peace and humility. And we also pray for those who are celebrating this week, uh, including Tony and Bev Bobbitt as they celebrate their anniversary, and for, for Ken and Ruth Bartling who celebrate 70 years of marriage this week. God, may we continue to give you thanks for all things, whether big or small. God, we also want to thank you for Jared, who was brought into your family through the waters of baptism this weekend. May he be rooted and built up in Christ all the days of his life. And then we pray for those who suffer in body, mind, and soul, especially uh, those who have asked for our prayers for Tom and David and Janet and Arlen and Karen and Stacy and Isaac and Jaden and Pat and for those that we name now in our hearts. God, we pray that in quiet confidence in you, our Heavenly Father, who give good gifts to your children, that they may look to you for the gift of the Holy Spirit and receive comfort in their afflictions and healing according to your will. And God, we pray for those who partake of Christ's body and blood this day, that having been planted in Christ by the Word and Spirit through the waters of holy baptism, that they may be firmly rooted and built up in Him, established in the faith and abounding in thanksgiving. Blessed Father, we thank you that you give the gift of abundant eternal life. You have said that you are a good Father who gives us good gifts. and Your generosity overflows to us. Everything that we have is a gift from you. And so as we bring our offerings to you, may we uh, give back to you from the abundant blessings that you have given to us. May our gifts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord our God. Blessing and glory, wisdom and thanksgiving, honor and power and strength be unto you, our God, forever and ever. And into your hands, O Lord, we commend all for whom we pray, trusting in your mercy through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who has taught us to pray. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses 
as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. And then we join together confessing our faith uh, this morning using the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. And I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen.